If you're enjoying this Med Prep to Go Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Crush Step 1 podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. I'm Dr. Raj. I am a quadruple board certified doctor in pulmonary, critical care, sleep medicine, and my favorite internal medicine. I've been teaching USMLE steps one, two, and three for over 20 years. And I teach the IM boards, subspecialty boards, and my favorite thing to do in the whole world is to just explain and teach. So anyways, today I'm here with Med Prep to Go, which is going to be this amazing podcast. And what do we do? We go over questions. And we're going to be reviewing three questions today from microbiology. And if you enjoy them, which I hope you do, get more questions at our website, which is going to be www.medpreptogo.com. So just as a reminder, this is a free audio and online question bank. And if you want to learn more about me, you can actually go to my website. It's beyondthepearls.net. And I have a podcast too. What a surprise. It's called Beyond the Pearls. I hope you enjoy it. And I have a personal podcast too called the Dr. Raj Podcast. And you could follow me in all my social media stuff. But you know what? Let's get to these questions. We got some three awesome questions today. So the first one's going to be a 62-year-old man is brought to the ed after his roommate found him altered uh, and just not doing well mentally the roommate reports that the patient has had three days of high fevers and cough and shortness of breath uh, shortness of breath for the past day he also reports that the patient has had chills nausea dark sputum when he coughs medical history is significant for hypertension a 60 pack year history of smoking uh, heavy alcohol use, liver disease, and hospitalizations for pseudomonas uh, pneumonia only six weeks ago. This can't be good for this guy. On physical exam, we see an emancipated man with a decreased level of consciousness. Cardiopulmonary exam reveals tachycardia, decreased breath sounds in the right lower lobe. And when I hear right lower lobe, you got to scream what? Aspiration. So you say shortness of breath. What do I order? Chest x-ray. That's what they got. And it shows there's an infiltrate in the right lower lobe. And which of the following is the most appropriate treatment option? And these are interesting. What are you guys going to pick? What are you guys and gals going to pick? So we got choice A, cefepime plus doxycycline. Choice B, ceftriaxone plus azithromycin. Choice C, ceftriaxone plus linezolid. Choice D, doxy plus linezolid. Choice E, vancomycin plus doxycycline. And the right answer here is, you know, Imagine I'm right there and I, you could, I could talk about it with you, but we'll go over the answers. The right answer here is going to be A, cefepime plus doxycycline. So let's go over this. So the clinical presentation is consistent with a lobar pneumonia. Hence, they shot a chest x-ray or something in the right lower lobe. And they were describing this kind of uh, dark. And we didn't use the words, but even if they used the words Courant jelly. You know courant jelly is one of those buzzwords for what? Klebsiella. But I want to be the first to say this, is that if you tell me what is the most common cause of pneumonia in someone who is an alcoholic or is uh, or in the community, it's going to be strep pneumo. It's going to be strep pneumo. Of course, when we think courant jelly, it's a more 
a niched in buzzword land to Klebsiella, but of course, I just don't want to forget common things are going to be common. But what really jumped out to me is that this patient had a history of pseudomonal pneumonia. When you have a history of pseudomonal pneumonia, you definitely want to use antibiotics that cover pseudomonas. This person is immunocompromised for many things. He's a diabetic, he has alcoholism, he has liver disease. Cirrhotics are definitely going to be uh, predisposed to you know, opportunistic infections, not saying he is a cirrhotic at this time. So when we talk about what needs to be covered here, you need to cover what you suspect. Now this patient is getting admitted. So this is not someone who is going to be managed as an outpatient setting because of the fact of his mental status. Initially, what I was thinking, if this is an outpatient setting and he wasn't too sick, you may have said, hey, let's do a fluoroquinolone like Levaquin. And I would have been like, great call, because we know that quinolones can cover both typical and atypical bugs. So when you think about typical bugs, of course, the big three are going to be strep pneumo, haemophilus influenza, moxorella cateralis. And for the atypicals, now I got to be honest with you, we don't use the word atypical as much anymore. It's more of a classic radiographic thing that we've said in the past. But what bugs do you think about? Mycoplasma, which is the walking pneumonia. Legionella is the one I super care about, which can be easily rolled out by getting like a urinary antigen. But you know, in an outpatient setting, quinolones cover typicals and atypicals. So it's a good oral medication. You can send them on their merry way. But you know, this patient is getting admitted, so it is reasonable to give something through the IV. So when we talk about what am I worried about, and someone who just had a cinnamon pneumonia, you know there's going to be gram-negative there because he's an alcoholic, there could be some Klebsiella, that it is reasonable to start off with a fourth-generation cephalosporin that covers pseudomonas, which is going to be cephapine. So ceftriaxone, though, is my jam when we talk about community-acquired pneumonias, it doesn't cover pseudomonas, you know? And at this point, you know, I, I'm not as worried about MRSA. There wasn't a positive nasal swab, no history of MRSA. So I'm definitely not going to need the vancomycin or the linezolid at this time. You know, when we talk about atypical coverage, both azithromycin and doxycycline can definitely cover atypicals. If there was a combination of cefepime and azithromycin, that's not a wrong combination, but that wasn't the combo there. So by default, the best choice up here is going to be A, because you want to cover pseudomonas. And we talk about covering pseudomonas. There are definitely select uh, cephalosporins that could do it. The first one is a third generation ceftazidine. The second one is the fourth generation cefepime. There's a fifth generation called ceftolazine, which is covered, uh, which is combined with tazobactam, goes by the brand name Zerbaxa. And there's also air quote, sixth generation cephalosporin called cedericol that also covers pseudomonas. So it's important to know what's going to cover pseudomonas. Of course, when we talk about Klebsiella, we definitely cross our fingers and hope it's not an ESBL, extended spectrum beta-lactamase, because that can't be no good. And then you got to start thinking about using medications such as carbapenems. So what is the learning point in this case? I know I just kind of went off on it. I'm, I'm a critical care doctor. This, this like question was my jam. So that the key factors in selecting the initial selecting the initial regimen for hospitalized patients with community acquired pneumonia are based upon what are their risks. And this patient was definitely immunocompromised. We wanted to cover pseudomonas. That's where we chose a fourth generation cephalosporin. 
We still want to cover some atypicals. Uh, they haven't rolled out things like Legionella just yet. So uh, the combination of the doxycycline and the cefepime in this question uh, was a good answer. All right. Promise not to go off on these tangents anymore. <laughs> Next question. 73-year-old nursing home resident is seen by staffing by the staffing physician due to complaints of flank pain and bleeding upon urination for the past two days. Medical history includes hypertension, Alzheimer's, dementia, recurrent episodes of pyelonephritis. In the past three months, she has received antibiotics on six different occasions to treat urinary tract infections. That can't be good. Can you say the word resistance? Her vitals are, wow, she's super febrile, 102.2 Fahrenheit. Blood pressure is soft at 90 over 70. Heart rate's not tacky yet, it's 95, and respirations are super decapitated at 25. Do a urine analysis, 2 plus blood, 3 plus WBCs, 3 plus bacteria. The pH is, wow, super elevated, like super alkalemic at 8.2. Abdominal x-ray reveals large radiopaque structures that obstruct the renal pelvis and calyces. Which of the following organisms is the most likely etiology agent? And, you know, a couple things that, yeah, this patient is screaming, hey, I'm going septic, you know, soft blood pressure. This is going to be someone who's really trending into going to septic shock. And when we talk about the abdomen and the urinary tract, of course, the most important thing is to, you know, decompress. If there's something blocking off the ureters or the kidneys, I mean, we got to put in a drain, we got a stent, that we need to get the right people involved, surgeons, urology, interventional radiology. That's just me. So what is going to be the bug that's causing this? Is it going to be A, Enterobacter aerogenes, B, E. coli, C, Klebsiella, D, Protease, Mirolabilis, E, Salmonella typhi? All right, I'm going to tell you it's not Salmonella typhi, okay? <laughs> So what do you think the right answer is? This is gonna be D, protease. Many buzzwords over here, right? The patient urine is alkalemic, indicating that the cause is an organism capable of raising the urine pH. The organisms most often associated with such rises in pH, which can precipitate the formation of staghorn clicoli, as seen in this patient, are those that are urease positive. Protease mirabilis is a urease positive organism which raises urine pH and associated with the formation of stag horn colliculi. So what is the learning point here, everyone? Protease mirabilis is a urease positive organism which raises urine pH and is associated with the formation of stag horn colliculi. Hey, great job, everyone. We got one more to talk about. This is a 20-year-old man presents to the clinic with a three-day history of oils on his right leg in 24 hours of fever and malaise. The patient is a swimmer and he mentions that he borrowed a teammate's razor to shave his legs before a swim meet. That's just nasty. Like, just don't do that. Physical exam shows four raised warm erythematous lesions with central pustules, one of which is draining purulent discharge. Let's just call a spade a spade. Pus is coming out. A gram staining culture of the pus, okay, sorry about that, reveals that the cause of organism is a catalase positive gram positive caucus. The organism also tests positive for the MECA gene. Which of the following is the most appropriate oral, oral, oral antibiotic to treat this organism? 
Is it amoxicillin, azotrianam, which is B, C, lenezolid, D, nafacillin, E, vancomycin? So I think the key buzzwords over here is MECA gene. So of course we're talking about resistance. So when we talk about getting resistance, there are different ways to do it when we talk about gram-positive cocci. I'm going to just call it gram positives to begin with. You know what I mean? How can you get resistance? Well, when we talk about penicillins, it's about beta-lactamases or about penicillin binding proteins. So when we talk about the MECA gene, that's going to be mutations in the penicillin binding protein. And the MECA gene mutations resulted in MRSA. And that's a huge thing. So when we talk about MRSA, it's always going to be important. Well, are you talking about MRSA in the community or MRSA in the hospital? And they're definitely going to be definitely antibiotics we use in the community to tackle MRSA, such as clindamycin, such as Bactrim. Now, there's a bunch of them. But when we talk about MRSA in a hospital setting, of course, the question is, where is your MRSA? And there are many MRSA antibiotics out there that get very specific FDA approvals depending upon where it's located. So, for example, since I'm the lung doctor, I mean, if you have MRSA in the lungs, I mean, there's only two antibiotics you think about in the lung. It's going to be vancomycin or lenezolid. I'll give you a side pearl that daptomycin does not cover MRSA in the lungs because surfactant breaks down the daptomycin. So I hope you guys get that point correct on your boards. That was a little gift from me to you. But, you know, now that we know it's going to be a... MRSA, you can't be using amoxicillin, which is oral. You can't use azotrianam. Those, it's an IV antibiotic that we use historically in people who are allergic to beta-lactams. It's a monolactam. Remember, so this doesn't really fit that, and it's an IV antibiotic. Nafcillin, I mean, it's going to be resistant, and nafcillin is given through the IV. Vanco, well, Vanco could definitely cover, you know, I mean, um, MRSA. Definitely could work against people who test positive for the MECA gene, but Vanco really comes in an IV form. Can you give it oral? Sure. Can you say the words C. diff? Uh, that's when we use it orally. It works great for C. diff, but besides that, not really. So you're really kind of bullied into picking what? Lenezlid. Lenezlid is a good choice. It's given through the IV. It can be given oral, so it makes a nice transition from IV to oral. And this patient did want oral meds. But I worry about side effects from lenezlid. Definitely, it can, uh, if mixed with the wrong meds, it can get a serotonin syndrome. It could definitely cause thrombocytopenia. But in this case, lenezlid is going to be a great choice. So my learning points are lenezlid binds to the 50S subunit of the bacterial ribosome and prevents the initiation complex and is useful for treating MRSA, which is methicillin-resistant staph aureus. So I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of Three Cases. I really had a blast with it. And if you want more questions like this, then please, please check out our website. It's www.medprep2go.com.